welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds Podcast. Today is July 19th, Monday. I am your host, Richie. Joining me as always is Matt. We've kind of been MIA with the All-Star break, but we're back. Matt, how are you doing? I'm alive. I uh, skated by the COVID bug once again, so uh, just a normal sickness for me right now. Yeah, so Matt's Matt is recovering. However, he's feeling uh, back and he's in action today. We got a great show for you. We're gonna go over some news and notes, prospect updates. We will go through prospects number eleven through twenty on MLB Top One Hundred list, and then we'll play a, a fun little game. Uh, we'll make some wagers and go over the top trade targets for the MLB deadline, and uh, we'll take some guesses as to where we think these guys will go. But let's get started. I will go down the list um, on some news and notes. Some of them are going to be a little bit older since we haven't talked to you guys in a while. So let's get to it. Ronald Acuna out with a torn ACL. Bummer for me. I almost cried as he is my pride and joy in our Dynasty League. However, the Braves did go out and trade for Jack Peterson as a potential Band-Aid. Still not the same guy. Clayton Kershaw was on the I.L. with elbow inflammation. Uh, For the time being, they have David Price joining their rotation, and Josiah Gray appears to be getting called up on Tuesday. Chris Sale is to begin a minor league rehab start. Carlos Carrasco had a minor league uh, rehab start and should be joining the rotation either next week or the week after for the Mets, which they desperately need. Eloy Jimenez has started a minor league rehab assignment and should be back shortly. Luis Robert has beginning a rehab assignment on Wednesday. Jack Flaherty is finally starting to face live batters, and Shane Bieber started to play catch this week. However, he is still without a timeline. Let's take a quick breakthrough here, Matt. What do you see here, and what are your takeaways? Well, what I see is my team starting to finally come back, which is very nice, Um, and yours as well. I mean, Shane Bieber rejoining your rotation will be a really big uh, uptick for your production. Obviously, losing Acuna is huge. I think any fantasy formats where league managers were rostering him, um, you can't replace his production, You know, especially now going into the middle of July. For the most part, the Cedric Mullins are gone. The Jesse Winkers are gone. Like We're months beyond the, like the Band-Aid approach from fantasy where some of these guys could have been picked up and actually giving you moderately close production to Acuna. Losing at Cunha at this time of the season is just devastating. We have him in a shared league. It's basically ended our season for the most part. Uh, it doesn't help that we have the Raper Trevor Bauer in that league as well. Um, but, you know, Cunha being out is going to be a huge, difficult hurdle for you to uh, repeat as a champion. You know, like that's, that's a solid 50 points in a two-week playoff performance that is going to be out of your lineup that you have to fill. And, you know, it's, it's just devastating. It's bad for baseball. It's bad for fantasy owners. Um, I think the encouraging news, obviously, is starting pitching coming back with Flaherty, Bieber, Chris Sale, Carrasco, and Kershaw will be back uh, sooner than later. You have a lot of teams that are going to be in the playoff hunt that are really going to get these top-end arms back. We have to now see how they play after coming back from injuries, right? Shane Bieber wasn't really pitching at his top form as he got hurt, was to start the season. Flaherty was winning every single game that he pitched for the most part. Chris Sale, we haven't seen him in a year and a half. And then, obviously, with Carrasco, he has repetitive injuries, the hamstring, the elbow, the shoulder. Um, He's not a guy I think I'd be relying on, but he's a guy that I think would fill that fifth rotational piece pretty nicely if you're uh, you're looking to make a run. 
Yeah, I am excited for these starting pitchers. Chris Sale, I believe, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe he was hitting 97 on his fastball, which is actually higher than what he, I think he was sitting around 94, 95 before he had Tommy John. Um, so I'm excited to see uh, how he comes back. They waited on him long, but I think it's going to be beneficial. I'm anxious to see Carlos Carrasco. He's been kind of having multiple setbacks, so I'm hoping that they don't rush him back, kind of like the Dodgers did with Tony Gonsolin, and then he kind of had a minor setback. Um, but as far as the Ronald Cunha thing goes, it's just devastating for baseball. A fun guy to watch other than Otani and Fernando Tatis. Um, but let's move along to some other things. Pablo Lopez hit the aisle with a rotator cuff injury. Francisco Lindor landed on the aisle with an oblique strain. Alec Manoa placed on the aisle with a back contusion. Eliezer Hernandez threw a 20-pitch bullpen session for the Marlins. Ian Anderson was placed on the aisle with a shoulder strain, and he should try again pitching in about 7 to 10 days. For now, the Braves are going to go with Kyle Muller and Tuki Toussaint to fill in the rotation for the time being. Jazz Chisholm hit the IL with a shoulder injury and is slated for an MRI today. I don't know the update on that. Pretty much all of the Yankees have COVID, especially Aaron Judge. Uh, Jacob deGrom hit the IL with elbow inflammation, which is scary to see, but hopefully it's nothing too bad. And then Corey Seager, a name we haven't said in a while, possibly returning on Wednesday, which will be a big boost for the Dodgers. What do you see here, Matt? Yeah, I mean, shoulder injuries left and right, right? You have Anderson, you have Lopez, two guys that coming into the season we expected to perform highly. I think Lopez has performed at the top of my ceiling for this season. Now to have this rotator cuff injury, kind of just devastating for him, right? Like this was his breakout season, playing on a team that doesn't give him a whole lot of run support. Ian Anderson has been up and down this season, but still a guy that, from a fantasy perspective, managers were relying on to have in the playoffs. And I think this is, you know, these shoulders are just a sign that these guys played in 60 games last year. You know, the shoulder is one of the first things to go, then the elbow. And that kind of leads us to DeGrom. Like DeGrom's two years in now, three years in of having elbow inflammation, having elbow injuries. We've seen it three times now this season where he's had elbow scare. And continuously the MRI comes back clean, right? Now it's just forearm tightness. I'm assuming that means uh, ligament and structural um, flares, a little bit of inflammation in there. But at some point, DeGrom's elbow is going to give, and that's just terrifying for fantasy managers, especially in dynasty leagues. I think if you can hold on to him the rest of this season, he doesn't hurt his arm, doesn't have to have Tommy John. Maybe you look to finally trade him this offseason and go out and get top value for him. Because if we go into next year, it's going to flare up again. That's just kind of my opinion from the, the continuous injury track that we have from DeGrom. I did want to mention one quick thing on Chris Sale. Um, I did read that they are actually going to stretch him out. They are not going to bring him into the rotation until he can pitch five or six innings. I think that is huge for fantasy managers in categories leagues and more so in points leagues if you're holding on to wins and quality starts, accumulating extra points for you. Chris Sale coming back into a stretched out role is going to be huge for any fantasy team. That does mean, though, that maybe early August, middle of August is the time he's going to be back, and that's playoff time for a lot of teams. So you're going to have to take that risk of tossing Chris Sale in there right away, come playoffs, and just hope that he's ready to roll. Depending on what your staff is, I think you have to. I think once he comes back, he's easily a number three in any rotation, regardless of who you have. But yeah. moving along, let's go over some prospect updates. In a surprise event, 
Brandon Marsh was called up for the Los Angeles Angels. I think this is a surprise because everybody was touting Joe Adele with all his home runs, but he did have a lot of strikeouts in the minors, so it's interesting to see Brandon Marsh called up. In AAA, he was batting 255 with three home runs. Um, since he did get called up, I'm pulling it up here, he went 0 for 4 on the 18th with two strikeouts. Uh, I think right here, he's just kind of a band-aid until Mike Trout gets back. Um, but moving along, Jaron Duran got called up for the Red Sox. He hit a home run today as we're recording this podcast. <coughs> As we mentioned before, Josiah Grace potentially getting called up tomorrow on Tuesday. Jared Kelnick got called back up to the Mariners. Bobby Witt and Nick Prado got called up to AAA. And Brett Batty for the Mets got called up to AA. Before I move along, those are kind of the big updates as far as promotions go. Matt, what are you seeing here with these promotions and what are you most excited about? Zach Veen, most definitely. He was the guy in the draft last year that I really picked out as kind of the guy that I like, um, the guy that I'm going to continue to watch. I think he's got the most, the highest ceiling out of a lot of these guys in this draft. Now, with that being said, I felt the same way about Brendan Rodgers when the Rockies drafted him as well, um, which was, I think at this point, five or six years ago now. And Rodgers just didn't develop in that system the way I had hoped he would. They didn't bring him up as quickly as I wanted them to. They kind of let him uh, sit in the minor leagues with that position being blocked with at the time with Arenado and Story, uh, Veen's not going to have that issue. Veen's going to rise through the minors very quickly. He was a high school uh, draft pick. He is 19 years old now, but he's showing the power that I fully expected. And I mean, 27 stolen bases, that is absolutely astronomical. Like he is performing at a great rate. I think we're going to see a guy that's going to hit 20 home runs, steal 30 bases right off the bat. Now, Veen is a guy that's probably at least two years away. I don't think we expect to see him until at least 2023. 20, uh, he, being in low A right now, like he's got to at least get to double A. That's probably not going to happen until next season. They're not going to rush him being a rebuilding team. I expect 2023 that he's the guy. If you're in dynasty leagues and you can still trade for Zach Veen, but if people are a little bit sour on the fact that he's a few years away, go get him. He's going to be a perennial all-star. He's going to be the next face of that franchise. So I'd say from overall perspective, he's probably the one I'm most excited about. And then Dominguez. Dominguez hit his first home run, had a triple where it looked like he had forgot how to slide, I guess. Um, but the speed around the base pass was absolutely majestic. He looked like a running back out there. I mean, just absolutely flying. You have two very touted outfielders that I think will be uh, perennial all-stars for years to come. And then Duran. It's nice to see Duran up. Uh, he's obviously not going to play on the U.S. Um, Olympic team, which he had wanted to do. Uh, hit, the, hit his first home run today. I think he could be a nice little spark plug in this Red Sox lineup. But at the end of the day, I think by the end of the year, his playing time is going to kind of dwindle down. I think he's going to have some ups and downs in the major leagues, much like Kelnick had. You can't expect a guy to come up and just continue to perform like he did in the minor leagues. Franco's shown that. Kelnick's shown that. Um, and then Bobby Witt being called up. About time. I don't think we see him this season, though. And uh, for the listeners, Matt did get a little bit ahead of the notes. Uh, for the for you guys listening, uh, I do have Zach Veen and Jordan Balzavic listed in our notes as the players of the weeks to highlight for you guys. <laughs> so just so you know, uh, Zach Veen is hitting 282 with nine home runs and 27 stolen bases, as Matt had mentioned. But over the past week, since July 11th, he's gone 13 for 22 with a 590 average, 13 runs, two doubles. Five home runs, 14 RBIs. And then Jordan Balazovic, I keep butchering his name every time, for Double A Central. 
He went uh, 13 innings with six hits, six hits, zero in runs, a walk, and 18 strikeouts over his last two starts with one win. I completely agree with Matt. Zach Veen, a player I'm excited about. He was the ninth overall draft pick last year for the Rockies. Clearly, they're in rebuild mode. Wouldn't be surprised to see them be huge sellers at the deadline this year, but I don't think we see him. I'm kind of on the more... Uh, aggressive side i see i think we might see him at the end of next year in 2022 maybe august september maybe see what he uh does based on what we're seeing here but who knows um maybe he's got a hole in a swing but we shall see um last thing i wanted to mention with jaron duran if you're someone like me and you lost ronald acuna and you have zero outfielders to go for you know go and get jaron duran what's the worst that happens but let's move along to prospects 11 through 20, kind of breaking it down for you guys. Um, we are going off of the top 100 list for MLB. So at number 11, we have Sixto Sanchez. Unfortunately, we did not get to see him pitch at all. He was supposed to start in AAA and build up his shoulder. And instead, he's getting surgery and will be out the rest of the year. So we will not see him. Just to put it in perspective, he is a prospect, even though he did pitch for the Marlins last year. He pitched 39 innings with 33 strikeouts, 11 walks, with a 346 ERA. Matt, give us a little breakdown on Sixto and what you expect from him moving forward. You know, it's hard. These shoulder injuries, these, these players either come back, and they come back strong, and they don't have an injury with the shoulder again, or it continues to be a repetitive injury throughout their career. And I am just concerned with Sixto and his release point and his mechanics that this might be something that lingers. Obviously, they were concerned about it in spring training. And coming into today, now he's done for the year. And we'll have to see next year how Sixto comes out, how he performs. Um, I mean, my comp on Sixto has always been that game-changing ability. He's got incredible stuff. But those mechanics have always concerned me. I think Sixto Sanchez, as long as they're they're careful with him, and his development into next year could be a good pitcher, but they're going to have to innings cap him next year now. I don't expect him to throw over 100 innings next year. I mean, you've missed an entire year on top of the COVID year. Sixto is going to have a long process. And luckily, he's playing for a team that isn't in the, with this window of competitiveness. So I think you have this little bit of leeway. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, there's not much you can trust. I think from a dynasty owner's perspective, too, it's time to trade him. If you can get good value for him much like Nate Pearson was last year. If you can still get somebody of like essential asset value, you have to go out there and get him, especially with the question marks that are attached to Sixto. Yeah, I kind of agree. I'll, however, I'm a little more optimistic on Sixto. I think, I'm hoping, I should say, that he comes back from the shoulder injury and he can be the player we expected, somebody I was really high on. I kind of compared him to Ian Anderson and kind of viewed him as potentially being a top 20 starting pitcher by the end of the year. Obviously didn't get to see that. Probably won't see that next year. As you said, probably will uh, keep him with the training wheels on and doubt he pitches even close to hundred innings next year, but we shall see. Let's move along to number 11 or 12. I should say uh, <laughs> somebody we've talked about extensively and that is Marco Luciano shortstop for the San Francisco Giants and Matt I'll let you take it away and uh, tell the listeners what you think yeah Luciano is starting to flash the power that we expect he's up to 15 home runs now in 60 games 
you know, if you look at the full minor league season, he's on, on pace for about 30 home runs. His average is there. He's hitting 279. I'd like to see that a little bit higher. I think both of us really would. Um, and I think in time he'll have that. I think he's still adjusting to the level of play he's at. The 57 strikeouts in 60 games is concerning, but again, he's young. He's he's playing kind of above his age range, um, and I think he is the future of the Giants' uh, offense, right? You have him. You also have uh, the big bat in the outfield, but Luciano, my comp is Carlos Correa. I think the closest profile in the major leagues is Correa. Uh, Luciano's power production hopefully will exceed what Correa has done. Correa has really been stifled by those back injuries, and I think as long as Luciano can stay healthy, he should be fine. Now, Luciano is a similar body type as well. He's a little bit taller. Um, so hopefully he can stay there at the position. He is 6'2". I think Correa is 6'3", 6'4". Um, but third base transition could always be a possibility as well. And Brandon Crawford's ending the kind of the, his road in San Francisco. I expect we see Luciano midseason next year. Yeah, this was somebody I've been super excited about for a long time. I've wanted him to be major league ready. Um, maybe by the end of this year, kind of hoping he'd be a double A, if not triple A by now. If you guys listen to us extensively, you know that by now. Kind of hoping his ceiling would be Trevor Story like, you know, close to a 300 hitter with 40 home run potential. But. Maybe I'm a little too high on him. Maybe you're right. Maybe he is closer to a Carlos Correa comp. However, I won't be upset with that. That's very good product. Um, so it's kind of a, a wait and see approach. So let's move along to number 13, and that is Royce Lewis, somebody who we did not get to see at all this year. I believe he is out with a torn ACL, somebody I've kind of seen as more of a overall baseball type of a prospect rather than a fantasy baseball type prospect uh more kind of if i had to kind of comp it i'd say close to a a willie adamas or ahmed rosario in my kind of eyes but what do you think matt yeah i think that comp is great i think the ceiling is probably willie adamas willie adamas is hitting over 300 since his transition to milwaukee um and i think ahmed rosario is probably his floor right he's going to be a very useful major leaguer he reminds me a lot of Gregory Polanco as well as Byron Buxton. Guys that are baseball players first have shown a lot of flashy talent, but doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy, as you had said. Royce Lewis could definitely come into the major leagues and hit 280, hit 25 home runs, you know, steal 20 to 30 bags. I just don't see that right off the bat. I think that's probably his ceiling. So Willie Adamas, I think, is the perfect comp. It's just going to take Royce time, and again, Talking back to Sixto, like these guys have missed time now. Last season, this season, Royce had a really good fall league last year, if I remember correctly. But missing an entire season is going to take him at least six more months once he's back to get himself back. You're looking at 23, 24 by the time he's in the major leagues. And that's just concerning. But Royce was a highly touted prospect. If I remember correctly, he was the first overall pick. So you're going to have a guy that has obviously the physical abilities. It's just can it translate to fantasy value? I'm not in the proponent of rostering him, stashing him with the hopes that he's going to have high impact on my team. I think he's another guy that I would look to shop if the name can buy me anything of any asset. Yeah, I did see an interesting article by the Fantasy Pros after Ronald Acuna tore his ACL. And the, the major concern was Ronald Acuna is obviously known for his speed and his stolen base ability, which kind of gives him that top overall pick especially if you're in categories of roto similar to royce lewis he's known for his speed 
But what was interesting in that article was over 80% of people returning from ACL injuries doesn't affect their speed at all. So I definitely think he's somebody to monitor for maybe a middle infielder in a roto league. Maybe not so much categories, um, but definitely an AL only, somebody I would be keeping my eye on. But let's move along to number 14, and that is J.J. Bladé, outfielder for the Miami Marlins. Um, he was drafted number four overall in 2019. Um, he is currently at double A in the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Um, and let's see how many home runs he has this year. He has only six home runs, somebody known for a big power bat out of Vanderbilt. Um, but he is only batting 198. In my eyes, he's kind of a disappointment. I think he's was going to be more of a high floor, um, lower ceiling type guy. Um, but what do you see, Matt? Yeah, that floor is seeming very low at this point. Um, if I had a bail button, I would be hitting bail, 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 bail. He is exactly what I thought he was, a disappointment from the draft. A guy that I, that I did not expect to ever really performed very well, especially in Miami with that park and that team. Very uh, little lineup protection. Hitting 198, he has 59 strikeouts in 65 games. He looks overmatched in double A's. I've, in double A, I've seen a few of his highlights this season. He just doesn't have the confidence that you look for. Now, being an outfielder, being a little bit older, I, could, I fully expect that he could have a Jesse Winker-type outbreak later on in his career. But he's got to make the major leagues first. And hitting 198 in double A is not going to get you there, especially with that strikeout rate. JJ Blade, I think we need to see him next year. I'm not interested in him, to be completely honest. I think 14 on the overall major league prospect ranking is way too high at this point. I expect to see him drop outside of the 30s come offseason. Um, he has a lot to prove. Being the fourth overall pick obviously raises him up on this list. But from a, a pure fantasy perspective, this is a guy that's probably going to be on waiver wires once he's called up. And he, I, I view him kind of as a Trevor Larnich uh, for the Twins, someone that I'm just not interested in. Yeah, last thing I want to say is he kind of reminds me of Lewis Brinson. Kind of, he's got that name. And I would, wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded amongst the, the league just for name value alone. Um, no rhyme or reason, just my general thoughts and opinions yep. but let's move on to number 15 and that is outfielder riley green for the detroit tigers he's currently a double a he's batting 278 with 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases kind of a power speed guy um mlb gives him a 60 grade hit tool as well as a 55 power on a 20 to 80 grading scale um i think he's kind of just uh Overall solid player. Um, he's going to be decent in the speed category, give you some stolen bases, but he's not going to you know, go and steal 30. Um, he'll have decent average and uh, could potentially grow into that power. What do you see, Matt? Yeah, I love, I love Riley Green. Um, my biggest concern with Green is that ballpark, that lineup, You know, very little protection. Now, obviously, we're talking about a future lineup with Green, with Torkelson, um, with the catching prospect that they have. So you're going to have three good bats in that lineup just off the bat. You're going to have Akil Badu hopefully as well in there, who is obviously a very, very streaky player. So he's going to have more lineup protection. But if you look at the comparison between Green and Bleday, you're talking about three years in age difference, and you're talking about significant performance difference as well. Green's hitting 278 in double A. Now he also has 74 strikeouts in 60 games. So when he hits the ball, much like a do, he makes it count. 
but he's swinging and missing a lot. And I think that comes with his age. I would expect him as well, 2022, maybe 2023 season, um, to come up with Torkelson. Torkelson may come up early, but Green definitely in categories leagues. This is the guy that you're going to want to focus on in dynasty leagues. He's going to have the the power speed packages you had said. He's going to really utilize that well. Um, The strikeouts are really going to hinder his ability in points leagues until he can develop and mature himself into an all-around hitter in the big leagues. And going off of what you said, he does only have 28 walks, so that's almost a 3-to-1 ratio for strikeouts. Yep. Uh, I just hope it doesn't turn into something like Joe Adele where those strikeouts hinder him and he can figure out the off-speed pitches. But let's move along to number 16, and that is Austin Martin, shortstop slash third baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. In 2021 at AA, he is currently batting 273, two home runs, with six stolen bases, kind of somebody we've talked about who's going to have that hit tool but not really much power for you. Um, he does get a 65 grade out of 80 for hit from MLB with only a 50 power, which is kind of on the low side. Usually they're generous and give people at least 55. Um, so as far as I can tell, that's kind of on the low side. He was the 2025th overall pick for the Blue Jays. Uh, Matt, what do you see here? Yeah, I mean, in, in points leagues and categories leagues, this is my must-pick up. I think Austin Martin, put his stat line aside, is going to be an excellent talent in the major leagues. I think you're going to see uh, kind of a poor man's Trey Turner and Austin Martin positionally, shortstop, outfield. Um, they're going to play him where they can. He's going to come in and be a spark plug. I expect him up next year at some point, uh, and I expect him to be a name that hard, like garners great trade value in any fantasy league. Austin Martin, again, the numbers aren't off the charts. It's his first year in professional baseball coming out of college. He is two, hitting 273. He has 50 strikeouts to 47 games. Um, the walks, you know, 28. Like, it's it's okay. He's learning how to play. But I think if you're looking for that next piece in your, your dynasty, it's definitely Austin Martin. Yeah, as you said, I don't know. Where he'll play, definitely won't be shortstop with Bo Bichette there. Maybe uh, at third base since Vlad's playing first, Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's move along to number 17, somebody we've talked about, and that is Joey Bart. He is a catcher for, excuse me, the San Francisco Giants. He was drafted second overall in 2018. Um, He recently just got called up. to fill in for Buster Posey, but Buster Posey just got activated off the aisle now. Um, let's see if I can pull up his 2021 minor league stats, and he was batting 333 with eight home runs and 33 RBIs. Strikeout rate, kind on the work bad side, 47 strikeouts to 11 walks. Matt, we've talked about him, but tell us what you think about Joey Bart. I think Joey Bart's floor is Jacob Nottingham um, and Jacob Nottingham at his absolute major league best at his peak. Nottingham had really good power at times. He flashed that, you know, he was a good receiver behind the plate, but he struck out a lot. And that's essentially what kept Nottingham bouncing around teams. Um, I think Joey Bart's ceiling at the end of the day, man, it's really hard to tell. I, I want to say Wilson Contreras, but that's really, really generous. It's, it's hard when you're blocked. Uh, Posey's obviously had a great showing this year. Going into next year, hopefully the universal DH is there and Bart can get his opportunity. Um, if you own him in Dynasty Leagues, hold on to him. If you don't own him, I don't think trading for him necessarily is the right move. There's a lot of young catchers coming up right now with a lot of ability. Montero for the Blue Jays is one of them. Um, I think 
this is the perfect wait and see approach. See what happens. You know, he did come up for two games this year. He had six at-bats. He had two hits. So this season he'll have batted 333 if he goes back down. I think the important thing, too, to note is his options. I think at this point he's been brought up and down twice. He should have one more minor league option available. So at some point the Giants are going to be forced to just keep him on their roster. And I think they're going to be very careful with him the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already been sent down or if he will be sent down. But Posey is an injury risk, and having Bart in that lineup is big. If you have the roster spacing, you roster Posey like I do. Having Joey Bart's not a bad option, but roster spacing in, in leagues is obviously um, here and there. You know, leagues are all different. Joey Bart, though, I think is definitely going to be a top 10 catcher over the next seven years. Yeah, I like that uh, top 10 catcher. Definitely has the ceiling to potentially compete for, um, I'd say, top four or five with Adley Rutschman and some of those other guys who are just staples. Um, Depending on what happens with Buster Posey, I wouldn't be surprised to see him retire at the end of this year. Also depends on how the San Francisco Giants do. They're currently sitting in first place right now, um, and the Dodgers are a wreck, clearly looking for pitching at the deadline. So they have a chance if they make a run and uh, show a little bit of promise. I wouldn't be surprised if Buster Posey hangs in there one more season to see if he can't get another World Series. But let's move along to number 18, and that is Matt Manning, starting pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. We've seen him come up this year, get completely blown up in 22 innings at the major leagues. He has a 6.95 ERA and a 1.59 whip. Although in 2021 for AAA, he was also getting lit up with an 8.07 ERA over 32 and a third innings. I don't know what happened. The previous years, he was just tearing it up in 2019. 256 ERA over 133 innings. This was somebody who had promise. Somebody I thought that was going to be a top 30 starting pitcher. Um, Somebody who I actually jumped the gun on before dropping him. Um, Now it's looking like not so much. Um, Kind of the the victim of all starting pitchers coming up, unless your name is Logan Gilbert or Alec Manoa. Look at Jackson Coar. Look at Daniel Lynch completely getting blown up. I don't know if it's the subject of the alternate training site and not getting a full year under their belt, but what do you think of Matt Manning, Matt? Yeah, Manning has been a guy that I was always uh, pegging as the third tier of that uh, Detroit uh, rotation. I think Scooble has the best overall um, stuff. I think Maez is the most polished. Maez definitely can be the ace of a rotation, but I think Scooball could be Cliff Lee one day. Manning, for me, is the guy that's going to drift away and, you know, just kind of become irrelevant. And I don't really have any statistical backing behind that. I just, when I watch him pitch, I don't see the crisp nature. I don't see the location. I don't see the alpha mentality that we've spoken on a previous podcast that a Max Scherzer has or a Jacob deGrom has. Matt Manning, he's performing like Scooball did last year, though. So, you know, we got to give him time. I think anytime a big arm comes up and struggles, you know, the quick thing to do after three or four starts is to drop him especially in Dynasty Leagues, hold on to Manning. If you can trade him, trade him. But at the same time, if, if the value is not there, wait till next April, wait till next May, see if he can turn things around. One year can be a huge difference for these guys, especially after they make the adjustments, after they've had a full, half, I'd say a half of season in the major leagues with strength and conditioning coaches, major league pitching coaches. Like There's a lot of things they have to work through. Manning's with a good staff. He's with a young staff. I expect him to become better. But as far as top 30, 
I think that's that's a wish at least right now. I'd say top sixty is is going to be generous going into next season. Yeah, I definitely agree. Let's move along to number nineteen, and that is Grayson Rodriguez, currently at Double A for the Baltimore Orioles. He was the first round draft pick for them, um, taken eleventh overall. He is currently killing it in the minors right now. Um, over his last outing, he went five innings and got 12 strikeouts. On the year, he's got 63 innings and 97 strikeouts. He's absolutely killing it. Um, I don't know. I think he's a special talent. And I want to be surprised um, when he comes up if he's M- what Mackenzie Gore should have been. What do you see, Matt? Yeah, I mean, this is the next big-time pitching prospect. Um you know, Max Myers is the guy we're going to talk about next, but Grayson Rodriguez has all of the intangibles. He has that alpha mentality on the mound. He is the guy that, you know, you look for in a dynasty league's stash and you get excited about when he comes up. I expect Grayson Rodriguez to come up with Adelaide Rutschman and absolutely dominate right away, right off the bat. I expect him to be top 40. I think top 25 as a rookie is, you know, is very, very hard. Look how long it's taken Pablo Lopez to ascend to that level. Um, but Grayson Rodriguez, top 40, you know, maybe in categories leagues where you're going to have those um, those counting stats really add up. He might be a huge value for you in 2022. I expect him up next year. Again, the only thing we'll say is injury concerns. You know, he throws so hard. He is out there dominating. I just I hope we don't see an injury. Um, and actually off air, we had talked about comps and I want you to throw your comp out there because I think it is a, a very good comp, especially with the way he performed early in his career. Who do you see Grayson Rodriguez uh, emulating the most? Yeah, just watching him and seeing his stats and what he's doing in the minors, it reminds me a lot of Jose Fernandez. Um, Hopefully he doesn't have the same path as Jose Fernandez did, uh, rest in peace. But, I mean, I think this guy is dominant, and I think he could easily be the next top 5-10 to pitcher that we see in five years from now. But let's move on to the last one we have for you, and that is number 20, and it is Max Meyer at AA for the Miami Marlins. He was drafted last year, first for the Miami Marlins, third overall. Man, his fastball gets a 70 grade out of 80, and his slider is a 70. He's got two amazing pitches. The con, or the con, I guess you could say, is his changeup isn't really developed, and until he develops it, he kind of projects as more of a bullpen guy for them. He is uh, operating as a starter for them in the minors. Um, let's pull up his stats real quick. He does have a 165 ERA over 60 innings with 58 strikeouts, which is very good with a 1.15 whip. Um, I just don't see um, him coming up this year, maybe next year, if he keeps on dominating, but I think he's got to develop that third pitch. What do you see, Matt? Yeah, so I see two uh, very prominent major leaguers in Max Meyer and two very different ceilings and very different floors. Uh, First one I'm going to mention is Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns had a tumultuous career until last season and is obviously now a top 15, top 10 pitcher in the major leagues. And then there's also Brady Singer. Now, Brady Singer is a fastball, curveball pitcher, so a little bit different. But Singer has been working on his changeup. You know, some starts he performs well, some starts he gets lit up. I think Max Meyer could be in that fluctuating window between Burns and Singer. Um, I love Max Meyer's ability. He's got to find a third pitch, whether it's a fastball, cutter, slider, right, which is basically all the same. It's a variation of both pitches. But look what it's done for Corbin Burns' career. It's a, the ability to control both sides of the plates, 
righties and lefties with that cutter has really changed his career. The command has really helped. Singer, with that curveball, he's got to find the ability to throw the changeup. If if Meyer wants to have a long, productive career, he absolutely has to find that third pitch. I completely agree. That'll uh, wrap up our 11 through 20 prospects for you guys this week. Let's end the show with a, a little bit of fun. Um, we're going to go over some top trade targets uh, for the MLB. I kind of threw a list together for Matt. Some of the big teams that are kind of going to be sellers at the market are going to be the Cubs, possibly the Twins. They're not having as great of a year. Obviously, the Rockies and Marlins and Rangers. Um, so let's uh, kind of go over the big ones. I think the the one everybody's keeping an eye on is the Cubs. They have Anthony Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant all in their last years. I think Craig Kimbrell's on the last year or maybe the second last year. So those are the four big ones. Um, that are kind of being thrown out right now. All indications are that Anthony Rizzo may be the one that they re-sign, but the others may be gone. Um, so I'm going to jot down who we think they're going to go to and um, come after the deadline. We'll uh, take a look and see who the winner is and uh, whoever wins gets the best player on the other person's team in our <laughs> Dynasty League. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. You can have the uh, best player on our shared team. How about that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's go through this list, and we don't have to go through everybody. Um, just kind of some of the ones you have a, a good inkling on or uh, ones you feel confident about. So let's start with those four names. Where do you think they're going, Matt? So I'm just going to go through this as if they're all going to be traded. I'm going to take my crack at all of them. Um, I'm saying Rizzo's going to the Red Sox. Baez, I'm actually going to throw a dark horse out here. I'm going to say Baez is going to the Phillies. Um, moving on to Chris Bryant, I think we're going to see a crosstown trade as we did back in the day when Eloy went to the White Sox. And um, was it Contreras? Quintana. Quintana went from the White Sox to the Cubs. I think Bryant is going to the White Sox. Kimbrell, it's hard, man. You know, the only team I really think that could be um, a big time buyer for him is maybe Oakland. Oakland always seems to, you know, go out and get a bullpen guy. Trevor Rosenthal is actually officially done for the year uh, as well. That was not in our notes, but he will not be coming back to help that bullpen in Oakland. So I would say Kimbrell, Oakland. What are your thoughts? Um, hold on. I'm jotting these down. Um, I just don't see the A's giving it up for uh, a Craig Kimbrell. I'm going to go and I'm going to say he has a little reunion with the Atlanta Braves. They can't trust Will Smith. He's got over a four ERA. Their bullpen is decimated. I know they lost Ronald Acuna, but they're clearly staying in the hunt with uh, trying to get Jack Peterson. Um, I, I think they go ballsy and uh, prove everybody wrong. I know they're kind of thinking about being cautious buyers. I think Chris Bryant, I think he goes to the Mets. Uh, they do have J.D. Davis, who's on fire right now after coming back from the I.L. I don't think it's enough to buy over the Mets. I think they're all in this year. I think they'll go for him, possibly try to sign him back. Javi Baez, I haven't really thought about this. Um, ooh, there are, there are rumors coming out of New York that the Mets want Javi Baez. Now, I don't mm. really understand that too much. I know Lindor just went I, down. No, they got Francisco Lindor. I also think uh, I'm going to jump ahead, and I think the Mets are also going to go and get Adam Frazier. 
from the Pirates. Okay. Um, and I think they're going to use him at second and just utility and just slide him everywhere. Um, but I don't think Anthony Rizzo gets traded, honestly. But if he does get traded, uh, we'll do this a push. I'll say Red Sox too then. Get rid of Bobby Dahlbeck and then it'll be a push. Um, we'll come back to Javi Baez. I don't want to um, stall. Let's move ahead to... Uh, well, let's skip. Well, let's do it. Let's do Nelson Cruz. He, I got the Twins later down, but Nelson Cruz is a big rumor for the Twins. I'm going to go ahead and start. I think he's going to the A's. Where do you think he's going, Matt? Yeah, I think the A's are probably the, the mo- most realistic fit for him. Um, when you look at the trade options, it's really it's really just like three or four teams. The White Sox obviously could slide him into that DH position, but that takes a lot of versatility away from that lineup. The Indians could also make a run at him, but the Indians aren't making any push this season. You know, the fact that they're four games over 500 is, is just straight up a shock. Houston as well, but Houston has that flexibility as well there. They have Jordan, they have uh, Brantley. Both players can't play in the outfield on a regular basis, so adding Cruz to that would just kind of add a conundrum for that team. So I'm going to say the A's. Okay. Let's uh, move on to the Rockies. Um, I kind of got a few here in order. Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, CJ Crone, Herman Marquez, um, and I got them lower in our list, but John Gray as well. Where do you see these guys going, Matt? It's funny, you know, the A's aren't a competitive team in a lot of people's eyes because Houston's been so good, but they are. They're still playing pretty well out there in Oakland, and they've made these crazy trades at the deadline. They've given up assets for guys that are really just rentals. I think if Trevor Story gets moved, I think he goes to Oakland. Goes to Oakland, all right. All right, I'm going to be ballsy here, and I'm going to say Trevor Story goes to the Phillies. Okay. Same I logic think, uh, I think we have with the Javi Baez. You know, they, they need a re- they need a replacement, and they need a guy. I, that can I really want to say the Yankees, but I've got a weird feeling they're going to be sellers based yep. on the way everything's going, um, and I see them trading Aaron Judge. Um, let's move on to Charlie Blackman, outfielder. I don't have anybody off the top of my head that uh, sticks out. Do you got anybody in mind, Matt? You know, I'm going to go crazy here, and uh, I'm going to say Milwaukee. Ooh. I'm going to say Milwaukee for a lower, low-end prospect, and Colorado's going to have to eat some cash. But I think Charlie Blackman would be a great addition to this Milwaukee team, a veteran presence. Our offense is anemic. You know, maybe he can get Christian Yelich to figure it out. This is completely just throwing a dart at the wall. I think Charlie Blackman could go to any team in this entire league because you know they're looking to move salary and he's still got a, a couple of years left so it'd have to be a, a good attachment of cash for anyone to take him on i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna say he's gonna go to the astros okay i like that no reason rhyme or reason but i just don't think miles straw is their answer and charlie blackman seems like the type of player that would end up on the astros yeah let's go to cj crone somebody i think is going to end up on the brewers yeah <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've been uh bouncing around first baseman for a while here and it sounds like cj crone is our answer what do you think matt based I, on your answer i'm just going to go ahead and put you down yeah for brewers as well. I, I fully agree i think it, this out of out of any of these players this is the most logical fit come trade deadline um the Brewers absolutely need a first baseman. Telez is a nice piece, and I think you pair Telez and you pair up Crone, that could be great. 
And honestly, I think at this point in um, Keston Hira's career, it sounds crazy. I think I'd be okay with a straight Heston for Crone swap. I'd be okay with that too. You know, I think it's time to give up on the position positionless uh, Keston Hira. I just don't think that we have the time as a competitive team to wait on his strikeouts to go down. Um, I think a Crone for Hira would be a good trade for both ball, uh, both ball clubs. Okay. Um, I honestly don't think Herman Marquez is getting moved by the Rockies. I think they're going to be uh, one of the, the the staples for the Rockies. What do you think, Matt? I'm going to operate this as if uh, everyone's being traded. Um, I think Herman Marquez could be wearing San Diego Padre Ooh. uniform. I'll take it. I'll take it. I was going to say what they actually wear, but I... It, what is it? It's like camouflage, right? Like half the time it's camouflage, yeah, it's half like the time brown it's and brown yellow. and white. I don't even know. All right. For John Gray, I'm going to go with he's going to be an Astro. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Uh, he is, I think he's from Oklahoma, so he'd be heading back closer to home. I would say the Astros as well. They need a little bit of rotational help. They did kind of uh, mitigate some injuries with Riquitti this season. Uh, Valdez obviously coming back, but they have Garcia in that uh, rotation who's going to have to have his innings cut. The Astros absolutely need to go out and get pitching. And unless it's Max Scherzer, I think they're going to go for some of these mid-tier guys. Yeah, I was going to say the Dodgers, but I just don't see the Rockies trading one of their guys in their division. Unless they could get like Kybert Ruiz. You know, if they could get a really big piece from the Dodgers that would hurt them long term, I think they'd be fine with interdivisional trading. But the Dodgers just don't make trades. You know, they, they, that's, they, just, they don't give up their assets. Lux was a perfect example of that. Dustin May was a perfect example of that. Like they hold on to their guys. So uh, unless your name's Jordan Alvarez, don't expect to be given away. Okay, let's move on to the Marlins here. Starling Marte. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say he's going to become a San Francisco Giant. <sighs> yeah, you stole it from me. I think this is a clear <laughs> fit here. Um, Giants need a little bit of a spark plug. Bigger, bigger ballpark. He's a great defender. Uh, you know, he plays the gaps very well. He hits the gaps very well. I think the Giants are absolutely a no-brainer. It's just what are they going to be able to get from Miami? That's the problem. I think Sterling Marte might have this little bit of a buy, uh, bidding war, and they might actually pull more out of the Giants than the Giants wanted to give up. We shall see. We shall see. Let's go to uh, Adam Duvall. I think we see a reunion with the Braves. Yeah, man. I mean, it makes sense. I'm, I'm not gonna copy you here because we're we've been we're following have too many ties. Yeah, we have too many ties. I, I would agree with you. I'm not even gonna give an answer because I think I think Duvall. I'll put you down for Braves. It, it it's, it's the only team that would really actually call on him. Um, you know, they're they're outfield hurting. Milwaukee's not gonna go out and acquire a guy that strikes out at that rate, especially with the issues we have. You know, the Mets. Same kind of thing. Like he's not a big enough bat to make a huge impact. Um, yeah, Braves make sense. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to change my Craig Kimbrell and I want to change him to the Phillies. That's a better pick. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, Yimmy Garcia, Mr. Yimmy Garcia is also going to go to the Braves for me. Okay. So I'm like going to swap that pick. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think Yimmy could also be an A, you know, I'll toss down the A's. I think that could be a cheap discount closer for them and if he goes to the a's expect him to have a uh, negative era and strike out five batters per <laughs> inning because that's just what happens when you become the closer of the a's okay since we're on closers i'm gonna jump ahead 
and I'm going to go to Richard Rodriguez, and I'm going to say he ends up as a Red Sox. Yeah, I'm going to follow that. Absolutely. He's, he's the okay. best closer <laughs> in, uh, in baseball. Um, well, he's going to be the best closer available outside of Kimbrell, in my opinion. Uh, high upside. Kimbrell, honestly, I think I'd rather have Rodriguez than Kimbrell. Kimbrell has been very shaky over the last three, four years. Rodriguez, he's, I think he's in a contract year, <coughs> or he's going into uh, the final year of his contract next year. So definitely playing for something. All right, this next one, you can't copy me. I'm going to say Joey Gallo ends up as a St. Louis Cardinal. All right, and Matt is still recovering from his COVID cough. So we will uh, give him a quick break. Um, let's see, uh, Kyle Gibson. I'm going to go ahead and say he's going to end up as a Dodger. Um, wow. Let's see here. Okay, so uh, now that I'm back in the game. What you missed is I have Joey Gallo going to the Cardinals and Kyle Gibson going to the Dodgers. You're smoking a pipe, dude. Uh, Gallo is going to the Padres and uh, Gibson is going to the Astros. Smoking a pipe. I guess he does kind of seem like a an Astro. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep it for now. Okay, Andrew I, McCutcheon. Not not to judge you, but I'm I'm just curious. I want to I want to hear your logic on it. So on what? Gallo to the Cardinals, right? Gallo's got a little bit of contract um, arbitration left. Um, what is your thought process with the Cardinals? Are you thinking with Jack Flaherty coming back that they want to make a run? What is your thought? Yeah, I just I think with the Cubs getting out of it, the Reds being injury written and have no bullpen. Um, I just don't see the Reds truly making any moves to acquire those bullpen pieces that we're talking about here. If they do, maybe they steal one from the Braves, but I don't think it's going to be enough. Um, and the Brewers, they're not going to make any substantial moves for outfielders in my mind. We've got plenty of them. If anything, we're going to acquire relievers or some infield bats. Um, and I, I just haven't picked any Cardinals, so I kind of just am uh, being bold here. Yeah, I, I think in my, in my world, Gallo is Mets, Padres, are probably the two biggest um, teams that I would imagine going after him. I would love to see Milwaukee make a massive splash, go ahead and give up Garrett Mitchell, go out and get Gallo for a couple of years, keep this window of, com uh, of competition available. Gallo could play first for us. He's a fantastic outfielder, but he could fill that role. Just at what you'd have to give up to get Joey Gallo, man, it's it's a lot, right? And um I think you're spot on with that. Cardinals could be that, that dark horse team. I mean, the Reds just blew the game again. They're now down 9-8 to the Mets. This Reds bullpen is atrocious. All of their original relievers are out, out with elbow inflammation. It's it's very sad. Um, but the Reds, they're just not going to have the pitching to compete. All right, we're going to jump around a little bit. Um, I'm going to say Josh Donaldson to the Blue Jays. Some rumors of uh, them having a little reunion. Um, Jose Barrios, I don't think he gets traded, but if he does, I think that he sounds like he'd be a Dodger. That's just something that I see. Ian Kennedy, if he gets moved, maybe that is the piece that the Reds go out and get. What do you see in Donaldson, Barrios, and Kennedy? So the only one I agree on is uh, the Jose Barrios. I think if he's traded, the Dodgers is an absolute fit. But for this, I'm going to pause you. I'm actually going to say he goes to Houston. Um, and then moving on, Ian Kennedy, I think I'm also going to go ahead and toss in 
Oakland Athletics on Ian Kennedy. Josh Donovan. You're, you're going to get one of them right. Uh, damn right I'm going to get one of them right. You just got to keep <laughs> throwing darts at the fish in the barrel. You'll hit one of them. Um, oh, God. Josh Donaldson, I think he probably goes to the White Sox. Um, and who else we got here? We got – did I miss anybody? Nope, those were it. So okay. let's uh, um, let's go ahead. Brian Reynolds, um, outfielder. Who else needs outfielders here? Anyone that sticks out to you? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say the Phillies. I'm going to say he's going to be an A. He's gonna be an A. I love it. He's a, he he looks like an athletic. He yeah, really I does. I like that. What did you say? I said Phillies. All right, I can see it. He's a great player. I, and uh, I don't I see picked, uh, Pittsburgh trading him, right? But he's a great player. I uh, picked Adam Frazier to go to the Mets already. You still have to give an answer. While you think about that, we're gonna move ahead to the Diamondbacks. The only really rumored person right now is Eduardo Escobar. I think he ends up as a White Sox. So I'm going to log that one, and then uh, you can give your answer. Ooh, both of these players are a little bit more uh, more challenging. Um, obviously, the Astros don't need second base help. They have Altuve. Um, who's playing second base right now for the A's? Is there anyone that comes to mind? I want to say Marcus Semien, but he's a Blue Jay. He's a Blue Jay. So I'm going to go ahead and say Adam Frazier, A's. He does seem like kind of an A's guy. Yeah, Anybody on like, the Pirates is yeah, also... They're just A's. They, oh. they go to the A's and they perform at their career you know, ceiling. That's just how it is. Um, I'm going to oh, say Escobar. He seems like a Milwaukee trade. There's a random, he does, doesn't Just he? a random Milwaukee trade where they could play him at third. They could yeah. play him at first. They could He's totally a Milwaukee, Milwaukee guy. guy. All right. We're going to finish it up. We've kind of gone through a lot. Uh, we've got Michael Pineda, Trey Mancini, and Matthew Boyd. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say Michael Pineda ends up as an Astro. Yep. Just seems like an Astros type of guy. Yep. Is that what you want too? Yep. He looks like he, right. did, he looks like he belongs in, in those Astros colors. I'm going to say Trey Mancini ends up as an A. I'm going to say he ends up as a Brewer. Ooh. I would love that. And then lastly, Matthew Boyd. Is I don't the, have uh, one off the top of my head. Are Korean teams allowed to be used here? Is that a thing? I don't think you can send them to Korea teams. How about Japanese teams? Um, oh, what about independent league? Um... Otani is not available. <laughs> I'm going to say Matthew Boyd goes to the Cardinals. I'm saying to the A's. You can't. They can't trade for everybody, Matt. Dude, think about it. The complete roster remake. They're just going to offer draft picks from 2045. All right, Matt. Well, you should at least be able to get one of these right with you picking the A's for everybody. Watch them not know make a deal at all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who they're giving up, but they got to give up somebody. Um, all right. Well, that does it for our show today. Uh, hopefully uh, we can talk to you guys and won't have a two-week absence again. Um, and we shall fill you in uh, in a couple weeks here. One of us has to get one of these right. Until then, um, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.